1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. There used to be telephone cards, and I think a further background to that is there used to be (laughs) payphones. And there was this newfangled idea that was like, we don't want shitty old coins to pay for our payphones, we want sick phone cards, and that's going to be the future. And for a very depressing part of the early nineties, I collected phone cards. And I went to <laughs> <laughs> I went to a phone card convention where you could go buy rare and crazy forms of phone cards. And this is a very depressing story already, but strap yourself in for like a further step down depresso lane. So you go through and you browse Rare kinds of phone cards that, you know, only released in Victoria or had crazy photos on them or were limited editions. And one of them was on, like, white paper with, like, edges trimmed really roughly and weirdly and just, like, a hand-stencilled version of it. And it was for $3, not the $2 or $5 or 10 or even the rare 20 or rare $50 ones. And I was like, oh, sick, what is this? And they're like, oh, yeah, they call that an angel card. It's pretty sick. I probably wouldn't be able to let it go for less than, like, $50. And I was like, ooh. And I didn't end up buying it. I remember leaving the convention of being like, fuck, I left so much money on the table not investing in that angel card. Imagine how much it's worth now. And, um, of course, I managed to avoid being duped as, like, a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or whatever I was. And it sort of leads me to Bugsy Malone, where I'm increasingly (laughs) feeling like I'm the only person in the world who thinks he's really, really great. And, like, all his, you know, all his Instagram metrics and stuff, I feel like are just directed at me. And, like, I'm in a version of The Truman Show where Bugsy Malone being popular is only true to me. We're going to have to ask our guest in a moment. But, but Shag, am I the only person who likes Bugsy Malone? (laughs)
2: Peach, I don't hate Bugsy Malone. If you were to put a gun to my head and be like do you yeah. like bugsy malone i think i'd be like yeah he's pretty good if i
1: was to say could, like is there any way he could have possibly come into your life aside from me surely the answer is no no, to that, no
2: absolutely not you know and, and like <laughs> i look at a lot of rap blogs and british rap blogs and he just his name just doesn't show up so yes, you're right, but but through asking me that question, we've already
1: doubled his listenership. So
2: <laughs> I think I, I I think you can have a little
1: bit of hope. People are getting excited about Bugsy Malone. It's very very good.
2: I would love to stay though mm. in, in the past mm. because around about the era of payphones, probably. Well, maybe mm. not payphones, but this is the the early era of. Everybody's starting to have a mobile, but pre-iPhones. When I was in my very early 20s, I finally pulled up the courage to go to Borders. I don't know if you remember Borders, but they had books, they had CDs, and they had a coffee shop. They they were a triple threat.
1: Yeah, amazing.
2: (laughs) I finally pulled up the courage to go to Borders Mm. and buy the one book that was behind the counter, that was wrapped in plastic because you weren't allowed to buy is it this if you are Brand- under... Is this
1: a Brad Easton Ellis story, Jack? <laughs> if
2: you weren't allowed to buy it if you are under 18. So I finally bought... American Psycho and the only reason I bought American Psycho was this was the only way I was going to be able to read it and I'd heard from so many people and so many like like I don't even know where I heard it like pre the contemporary you know social media web 2 web 3 internet I don't know how I heard it but I'd heard it was the most visceral most disgusting most gory most disturbing book ever written and so I searched it out and I read it and All of those reports were right. It was. It was awful. (laughs) I think it disturbed me on a level that potentially damaged me, especially at that young age. I've never really Mm. been able to shake. And I guess the thing about being a horror fan and, Mm. you know, the responsibility I have, I guess, trying to introduce you and, you know, guests, whether they're a shag guest or a a peach guest, (laughs) is there's a responsibility that sometimes when we look for bad stuff, we'll find it. So, okay, so, so now, let me explain. Of course, we have a guest today, and I've been trying to find a movie to do with this guest for a while because he understands special effects, he understands the movie industry, and so, I was looking for something where special effects were going to be a big part of it. And I'd heard about this film called well, in fact, I'm not even i'm i'm, go, I'm going I'm gonna get to that, but i' I'd heard about this film that was apparently the most gory film of the last couple of years. Now, straight away, that piques my interest because I think, ooh, most gory film of the last (laughs) couple of years. I do want to see that. That sounds interesting. And so I suggested it to our guest and I said, hey, I reckon we should do this movie together. Why don't we watch this and I'll see you for the recording. Now, our guest watched this movie before me and sent a message that made my heart sink. And then I watched the movie this morning and my heart sank. And so, first of all, I want to welcome back visual effects legend Will Reichert back to the pod with a profound I'm sorry. Will, welcome thanks. back.
0: Thanks, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be back. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for your suggestion of this, um, of this movie, Shag. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I found this movie... Deeply upsetting on every level, I would say. Like, this is far beyond anything that I would ever choose to watch myself, uh, I would say.
1: Was it as visceral and evocative as a Bugsy Malone song?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not knowing anything about Bugsy Malone, I'm going to say yes. <laughs>
2: First of all, I, Peach, I don't even know how you're going to get through the trailer. but uh, oh, I'm
1: really worried about it.
2: I, I just want to share. Will, do you mind if I read out some of the texts you sent to our group sure. chat? <laughs> so the first text that came in, the text that started worrying me, came in yesterday when you said, I watched the movie last night. It was, I would say, rather upsetting to say the least. And then the vomit emoji. And I was like, okay, ooh, ooh uh, number one, I feel bad because I asked you to watch mm. this film and you wouldn't normally watch it.
1: Will's not an overstated guy either. Like, he's not going to say, he's not going <laughs> to freak out without, without a good reason to.
2: And and then further down in the chat, you said, I'm being completely serious. It seems like the authorities should probably investigate the writer-director. The mental state of someone who can come up with some of the things that happen in the movie is questionable.
1: Again, Will's an earnest guy. He's he's saying things he really thinks.
2: But, 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 I, I need to say this, right? So, you know, we recently did a series over Christmas of the top 10 most disturbing films of all time and there were films in there where we talked around and didn't talk about. This film feels like one of those to me. And in fact, to be honest, I'd much rather be reading you the Salo treatment right now because at least Salo was about how fascism was bad and at the end you'd be like, "Ooh, fascism, let's not. <laughs> let's not go down that path." There's uh, the reason we're doing this film today is because I asked you to do it Will like you know, and and, and when you do go investigating in horror, when you are a horror fan, you're going to find things like this every now and then that you're kind of going to wish you didn't see. And so, look, today we're doing this film. I'm not going to go through the entire synopsis. There are parts of the synopsis, even reading them back in Wikipedia, I'm, like, I'm just not going to subject you to it. And by you, Peach, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking to you listening. If you want to find out more about this film, the Wikipedia synopsis is right there. I guess I feel like I have a responsibility as the person doing your exposure therapy to not go too hard too fast. So today we are doing some of the Wikipedia synopsis of a film that's currently on Shutter called The Sadness.
1: It's just another reason to not like Shudder.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, you know, we haven't even gotten into the movie yet, but um, after we go through the synopsis, so I want you guys and maybe you, Shag, in particular, to answer the question, what is it that is appealing and enjoyable and attractive and enticing about a movie like this? And how does it uh, engage your senses in a a way that you find uh, enriches your life?
2: I I think that is an entirely good question. And I can't wait to not have a very good answer for that at the end of this synopsis.
1: All right, Sadness Trailer in the TikTok parlance. Sadness Trailer, let's go.
2: And also, Peach, Peach, sorry, I know I want you to know you can stop this trailer at any point.
1: I think that means, Shag, you know me well enough to know that that means I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch the whole trailer. I'm already four seconds in. I'll, I'll pause now. I'll turn, I'll turn the volume up a bit. I won't do headphones because, oh, disturbing breakdowns. Okay. I've only got a minute 43 to go of this of this version of the trailer. This is the Sadness official Red Band trailer two HD 2020 horror watching on a small phone screen. Normal speed. Should I speed it up, Shag? Yeah, maybe just speed it Should up. Should I just do 1.25 speed? Do 1. So it's 1. a little 25. bit of chipmunk. Yeah, yep. right, I'll do that. All right, 1.25 <laughs> okay. speed. Secondest okay, trailer. Let's go. I'm really
2: feeling for you. And, you know, if you're listening to Peach do this at home, like, I honestly don't recommend watching the trailer to this. I just, this is the first trailer I've ever been like, maybe don't watch this.
1: All right, let's do it. Ooh, a bit of kissing. So far, I'm into it. <laughs> Oh, some cities, some motorbikes. Fuck, we're only 17 seconds in, this is easy. <laughs> Logos. Uh oh, fucking creepy dudes. I recognize Piao Liang from Mandarin. Shag, you and I study Chinese. Beautiful. Oh, we got a knife, we got some killing. We've amount of blood. That's pretty upsetting. I think we're halfway. an old man touching me? Okay, there's some like blood. Oh! Oh! And some gouged out eyes and such that's. Oh, some nipping up skin. Oh, fuck. I'm about to get jump scared. Ah, uh, yeah, fucking what's up? Scary <laughs> films. Let's go. Whatever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I could have watched this. Oh, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> hey, Will, you know,
2: like, b- before we get into this, because, like, to be honest, if I hadn't essentially forced you to watch this and felt obligated to do it when i started watching it this morning i got about 20 minutes in and i was like i don't know if i want to watch the rest of this (laughs) like you you've had a couple of nights to sleep on it how do you feel about it now
0: terrible (laughs) i i i i regret watching it Um, (laughs) I mean, I, and I'm not. I'm certainly not blaming you. I, <laughs> but, like but, I, but but you wouldn't have watched it if
1: not for Shag. So. I did cancel
0: my shutter subscription with extreme prejudice. <laughs> um, as, as, like uh, as soon as I watched it, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, 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 I having a couple of days distance from it, it does fascinate me. I was I was kind of just quite out of sorts after finishing it, um, but then i started to to sort of wonder about this the, the psychology of just making a film like this and just um and I have actually watched a couple of um interviews with the director rob jabaz uh before we jumped on tonight just to to try to get inside this guy's head to see um what sort of a person he was and um he's actually a pretty uh, seems to be a pretty from <laughs> by, by all appearances a very pretty normal well adjusted guy um who who thinks very logically and um seems to be kind of emotionally in touch with the kind of movie that he's made um particularly as as to how it relates to women uh violence against women mm. uh that kind of thing so uh, I, I, and I find that fascinating. He's certainly not some sort of grunting Neanderthal who just likes watching gu- gallons of blood gush out of people.
2: Everything you said there is so interesting. So, first of all, the, just the genesis of this movie is absolutely bizarre. So, it's a Taiwanese movie directed by a Canadian called Rob, which which straight up, like, you know, this this film is in Mandarin. You heard it, right? Like, mm. it's set in Taipei, and yet it's directed by this guy who was stuck there during the pandemic and apparently I read this interview, like most most horror films, most indie horror films and most films generally are like a labour of love. Like, well, would you say, like, the amount of work that goes into most films, they're labours
0: of love, right? They have to be. They have to be. Like if you're spending twenty-four-seven thinking about making a film, you I mean you have to you have to be uh willing to do anything for it. And he this this guy obviously lives and, and breathes it.
2: So all of the decisions that came to make this film weren't creative decisions. So the way he describes it, he was in Taipei. His boss, he doesn't say who his boss is, I guess his boss is someone who works in a production company or a film company, said, you know, no one's making films, Hollywood's shut down, we don't have any competition, let's make a film... And apparently Rob was like What sort of film do you want? And he's like oh, I want a zombie movie Zombies are big on Netflix right now Let's make a zombie movie You got six months Just make it in Taipei Do it cheaply So then So then Get this right So then the decisions <laughs> yeah. to make the film This is
1: really weird Yeah okay right? Like it's really
2: weird right like, what, yeah. a weird, what a weird reason to make a film And then Not only that He's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I don't want a normal zombie movie. Zombie movies are boring. But there's a comic book series by Gareth Ennis. Now, you might know that name. He's the guy that wrote, like, The Boys, which is now, like, a Prime series, Preacher, which I think is also on Prime or, like, one of those streaming services, maybe it's <clears> on Stan. He, he wrote a bunch of these things. He also wrote this uh, zombie series called The Crossed. And in The Crust, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic world where zombies have taken over, but the difference is these zombies do the cruelest things imaginable to people. They, they're still sentient, and their whole thing is, it's like once you become a cross, because you get this marking on your face that looks like a cross, you're a zombie and you want to like kill and eat people, but you want to do it in the cruelest ways possible. And he's like, well, that's pretty scary. So I'm going to make that the premise of my film. And then, and then not only that, he's like, you know, I'm an indie filmmaker, how do I get some attention? I'm going to make it the horror super extreme. So, Mm. like, all of the decisions, like, this film came about not because I needed to make this film or, like, you know, Salo. I really need to tell the world about this thing, it's literally like here was a bunch of business decisions that came together to create this film.
1: So, Rob and Drake, both Canadian, <laughs> like both people who make art for pure like commerce. We've told that Scorpion story on here before, haven't we? Like, the reason he called it Scorpion was because it's one of the least used emoji. And so, it'd be the most efficient way like teens and stuff could text each other about the new album coming out.
0: Incredible.
1: Like, it's cold, cold commerce coming from Canada. I love it.
2: But here's the thing: it was it, it was successful because this was. I'm trying to remember because, like, we don't talk on all that much about marketing on this pod, but there's mm. there's a lot of psychology underpinning contemporary marketing and, n- like, not in a creepy... Like, Old-fashioned hey.
1: marketing was just about tricking people, so that's, yeah. so that's cool. Well, no, yeah. no, because it,
2: it's like, you know, because it's like pe- people are smart and so there's, there's a lot of psychology that's both come from marketing but also mm. that feeds into marketing. One of the most obvious ones is a term you've probably heard of called social proof.
1: Mm.
2: Now, social proof is basically... I mean, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but it's that human...
1: It's sort of a coffee in a case note kind of thing where you see someone claiming to be an expert and lots of people support them and then it turns out they are an expert. Well, yeah, yeah, it, yeah,
2: it comes from, apparently, from when, you know, humans are in abnormal or not comfortable situations and they see how other people are acting and they assume, well, they know what they're doing, so I'm going to act like them. And there's nice. lots Kumbucha of ways... There's, there's lots of ways that it comes to life. Uh, one of the ways it works in, you know, marketing is when you're like, everybody's watching this film, and if you hear that, it doesn't matter how much you know about psychology. There's a there's a instinctual part of your brain that's like, well, if everybody's watching this film, I need to watch this film. So anyway, I saw an ad for this a little while ago. I must have clicked on it. Every time you're on the internet, you're creating so much data that is attributed to not you as, you know, shag, but you as a person who is, you know, your IP address, you who is using this, right? And so clearly it was like, okay, well, this person is probably going to be interested in seeing more ads about this. So I started seeing all the variations of the ad. They, They start getting served to me. And one of them was like, it's the most successful exclusive or launch on Shutter ever, and I was like, holy shit. Okay, well, not that we know Shutter doesn't have the big names, but still, <laughs> it, it hasn't died yet. So so part of me was like, okay, this has got to be good. So when we were thinking about a thing to do with Will, I saw that. I also saw the thing saying it's the most gory thing ever. And I saw, and you know, here we are. So all of these weird business decisions, and then all of these marketing decisions, and then all of these things in my life from following horror movies, has led us to this moment where we're gonna be talking about this film on a podcast.
1: Can't wait. Uh, it is a funny business model, right? Like, I'm impressed Shutter's still going. I remember being invited before of like, we're doing, like think of it as Netflix, but for professional development for accountants. So you get to and say, so I'm like, oh, sounds pretty cool. Exciting.
2: The other thing about this is before I watched it, and after I got your messages, before I watched it, I wanted to check the reviews. The reviews are pretty positive. The one thing mm. I do like about Shutter is that it has this sort of letterbox-style interface. So when you click in on a movie, you can see everyone's comments about the movies beforehand. It's sitting on four skulls out of five on Shutter. One of the comments was... <laughs> this is like the holy bible for gore fans. One of the comments was literally like that. So I was like, this is going to be great. How is this not going to be great? And all of the reviews are basically like, this is one of the best films I've ever seen. All of the reviews at the horror festival, where it won like best picture, Fantasia Fest, were like, this is easily the best film I saw or festival. Wow, what a thrill ride start to finish. But then, Will, I got to ask you about this, because a lot of the questions were like, for an extreme horror film, which this absolutely is, the production values and just the general like artfulness to it were top notch. Did you think this film was well shot and like looked nice and was enjoyable to be a part of outside of the content?
0: Um, aesthetically, it was um, it was okay. Like it, it, <laughs> it like it, it. It was it was How professional many skulls. <laughs> I'd give it a good three and a half, three and a half skulls out of five. But no, it, it looked pretty good. Um, it was shot professionally. It obviously had some money behind it. It was um, aesthetically pleasing from that point of view. And I mean, from a from a visual effects special effects point of view, it's ninety nine percent practical. I don't think there is much digital effects in there. I think it's pretty much all in camera stuff. Um, and that all, you know, looks looks pretty good for what it is. Like, um, pe- <laughs> like people ripping people's faces off, and um, uh, you know, ga- gallons and gallons of blood, and people getting stabbed, and um, you know, everything else. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it, I think it's good.
2: We're kind of joking. We're kind of dancing around the fact that I'm going to set this up by saying that this is a film about people doing the cruelest things imaginable to each other, which means uh, there is some sexual violence in it. It's it's a part of this film, which I didn't expect, wasn't in any of the things.
0: This is the thing that I got from the interview with Rob Javaz as well, where he was quite intelligent and analytical about uh, his thought process when he was writing the movie. Uh, and, he, you know, in terms of, like, what can I do that's a good spin on the zombie genre that, that hasn't been done before? And what what's... What's one of the, he said I, one of the most scary things I find is, is malicious intent and you know someone wanting to do harm on on, on me. Um, and one of the things I find most disturbing to watch on screen is violence against women. So if I combine those two things, I'm going to have the most unsettling, um, hard to watch extreme movie of all time, and that to me equals a successful extreme horror movie and that's the sort of wavelength that i i guess i have trouble getting on because like i you know obviously like you just said there's so many reviews out there where everyone's um gushing over the film and how great it is um and if that's your thing then this this presses all your buttons and it's and it's incredible and um this is something also i wasn't sure in terms of your sensibilities shag uh for being a horror fan where where it sits on your scale of like you know this is enjoyable for me Mm. um and obviously for you peach it's it's different <laughs> it's, a, it's a little different um, but um uh, but but being a horror fan shag what how does it how does it sit for you uh the,
2: the, the, like it, it's tough to say right like a few years ago in the early days of this podcast we came to a realization the nuance was super important right things aren't binary
1: And fuck we're insightful. What a great point from us. That's (laughs) us.
2: There are definitely things. I love that we haven't even started the synopsis. There are definitely things I like about this film. And to that point, the idea that these zombies are actively trying to inflict the most suffering on you, I find a very dark and awful thought. That in another director's hands, in an Ari aster sort of hereditary sort of vibe could have been handled incredibly well. But he also makes a point in one of his interviews where he's like, look, it seems like a lot of horror directors are like, they just want to, like, build suspense and build the dread. <laughs> and it's like, I just wanted my, all of my horror to be just blunt force horror. He literally says that. Like, the, the weird thing about this film is it's not a labour of love. It's a purely intellectual exercise. It's like, what's going to work? I've been asked to do these things. How can I make this thing as successful as possible? And it's worked because it's one of the most successful things that's ever happened on Shutter. So there are things I like about this film. But in general, the, the gore is too much, I think. I, I, I also don't, like, I, I, to be honest, I think sexual violence is lazy. So I'm not really, like, I guess I set it up by saying that I'm, I'm really not going to talk to those moments in this film, I'm just going to try and avoid those moments. And there's one
0: moment we have to talk about, though, in that regard. Okay, we, all right, I know
2: that moment. All right, we will talk about that moment, but I'm just saying there is a moment coming up that's really fucked, and I, I don't enjoy <laughs> thinking about it. But you can. If all... it's like
1: cabin fever again, I'll be pretty upset.
2: All right, it's, it's basically like that. So anyway, oh, all right. God. So all right, let's set this film up. Let's just go, okay? So in modern-day Taiwan, uh, in Taipei, medical experts and government officials butt heads over the Alvin virus, a flu-like infection. The government refused to take large-scale measures to prevent transmission of Alvin, and many ordinary people doubt that the virus exists at all. However, some virologists fear that it has the potential to mutate and cause serious illness. Now, this is one of those films where it's like, it's very cake and eat it too in the way that it's like, yeah, we're showing a lot of horrific things on screen, but the true horror is a government that won't take a pandemic seriously. (laughs) There's a lot of the true horror is this in this film
1: but i feel like that's wrong because the true <laughs> horror is just what we're being presented
2: <laughs> anyway so 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 uh, we we see this at the start of the film by this this guy jim waking up in the morning getting on his phone, scrolling through a bunch of videos about this virus, you know, goes to a YouTuber who's interviewing a doctor. The doctor's like, we have to take this virus seriously. It's related to rabies. This is something that could have disastrous f- effects. And the host is like, come on, it's an election year. This is all spin. What a do doctors know? There's a whole lot of, like, oh, you know, like, we've got to trust doctors in this. It's There's a lot of messages in this film. This film <laughs> is, like, looking for messages because... It's probably a little bit embarrassed about what it's showing on screen. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, okay. Jim and Kat, a young couple, live in Taipei. And you know what? The true horror is they talk about how the fact that they only have 10 vacation days a year. That's two weeks. That's America. half of Australia. And that's, that's the legal minimum you can have in Australia. You have to have, like, at our company, if you've been there for two years, they give you an extra week and a bunch of extra days. Two weeks is ridiculous. I mean, that's the true horror
0: of this. Yeah,
1: hour. America is <laughs> um, like, the same. And there's and there's a fabulous new trend going through, like, startups in Silicon Valley where it's, like, unlimited holidays. You can take, like, we've got no limits. You take as many as you want. And, of course, what you do then if you're a young up-and-comer is you take fucking zero <laughs> holidays. <laughs> so it's this very calculated. Because it's uh, the fucking panopticon, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so... Great use of that. Great use of that uh, of that metaphor. Going. We're
2: an insightful pod, like you said. All right, so... Michel
1: Foucault would be proud of us.
2: So while driving to the train station, they pass a bloody crime scene. Oh, also, before this happened, yeah. there's, there's something interesting as well. Like, there's a lot of things I like about this. It's like... I think the verticality of living in a city, you know, there's, there's a lot of these um, capitals in Southeast Asia, whether it's like Taipei, whether it's Hong Kong, Singapore, or whatever, where people live quite vertical lives, like everyone lives in high rises. And I think it's interesting just that experience of just going out to your balcony in the morning and surveying these other buildings. And anyway, this morning he goes outside and he sees an old woman or an old man or an old person with long grey mm. hair and a bloodied front of a hospital gown just standing on the top
0: of a building.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: I I reckon will for the first fifteen minutes. I was kind of like, this could be pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it lulls you into a false sense of security for the first fifteen twenty minutes until um yeah, it, it's around about this sort of in this zone where we are now, where you, you you it's it's it takes a bit of a turn, I guess, shortly. But um but yeah, up until this moment, I was like, because I was I, because I knew what was sort of gonna happen i was on edge the entire time and very tense about it and at this moment i sort of went oh okay all right it's yeah. just a person it's just a person on a roof that's fine yeah.
2: I-, I love now you look back on your innocent pre-watching the sadness days and you're like <laughs> oh i was so innocent thinking that was chilling <laughs>
1: oh god it's a great title. Like I feel like we've glossed over that. Fabulous title. Sorry, Shane, continue.
0: Oh, I've got some trivia that I dug up as well about why it's called... Oh, I uh,
2: can't wait because I couldn't work that out. We can talk out. about it after. Let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about that after because that,
1: yeah. I think, is something... I don't something think we I'm... should talk about it now. No, what do you or should we decide? <laughs> 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 let's figure out whether we're going to talk about it now. Hey, one of,
2: the, one of the other things, Will, <laughs> while he's watching that YouTube, they show a graphic of the virus mutating, which is just like a special effect I've seen forever. Have you ever in your career been asked to animate like a virus or a bloodstream or something?
0: Never done a virus, but the very first job I ever did in visual effects was um, for a tinea cream. A a Japanese tinea cream. Um, And I had to do do the kind of little bit in between uh, your big toe and your second toe. And some kind of really scabby-looking athlete's foot, and then you know the classic sort of like the droplet of um, the healing yeah. droplet comes yeah. in and, and kind of dissolves the the horrible stuff in between your toes. So that that's the closest I've come.
2: Did you have to storyboard that?
0: <laughs> uh, no, it was pre- it was storyboarded already. We, we, were a, we were given a good solid outline. <laughs> All right.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So. They're going to work. He drives her to work on the. Well, he drives her to this train station on the back of his scooter. He works in film. She works in an office somewhere because she's dressed in like business clothes.
1: Fuck! I love the like rush nature of the script of like, oh fuck, what's his job gonna? Be? Okay, yeah, no, he can just be basically do my job. That's fine. <laughs> next, next, next. <laughs>
2: so, so they they pass a bloody crime scene where there's like a you know it, it's, it's the Stephen classic. King
1: effect. I'm so sorry to be so slow with that reference. But how every main character in a Stephen King film or novel is, in fact, Stephen King. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh.
2: but But it's also mm. that classic start of a zombie film, which I think do better than most mm. the idea of what it would be like being a bystander in a horror film yes. where you're just driving past and you're seeing police scenes or you're seeing people fighting or you're seeing a strange man stand on the, bil- the roof of a building with blood. And at, the, and at mm. that moment, you're just at the periphery of the action. Mm. And, and you can start to place... The horror of this film in a wider context which again i think zombie films always do better than most anyway jim drops cat off at the station then goes to a nearby cafe while he's there and also the other thing about this film at the start there's so much delicious looking food when they're at home he eats a giant like meat-filled bao that he fills with chili sauce that looks incredible yeah then when he goes to this cafe, they're cooking like radish cakes, like on a grill, which look fantastic, and also deep frying something that looks delicious. So it's just there's all these like really nice little moments at the start where I was like, oh, this could actually be like quite an artful film, like you know, <laughs> you know, and you know, and maybe it'll be gory. Sure, there'll be some gross moments. There'll be an eyeball pop or something, but I'll be able to deal. Anyway, so our uh, bloodied older person from before walks into the cafe. And we only see them from behind. Two guys sitting in a a stunning
1: coincidence. So, (laughs) because like Jim's like driven up on a motorbike to get to this cafe. This is kilometers away from where we last saw.
2: But remember, it's a it's a very vertical city. So things are actually everything's actually quite close.
1: Then why do they need to take the scooter to drop (laughs) off at the train station?
2: (laughs) Anyway, anyway. So this person uh, walks into the cafe and is is clearly looking distressed and there are two guys sitting there having breakfast and quite loving like not lo- not not terribly sort of stand up and are like hey are you okay lady and it turns around and i i don't know like it, it's like I, I don't think it's clear if it's an old lady or an old man but this person has darkened eyes and then immediately vomits mucus on one of the guys grabs the deep frying oil, grabs the deep frying Uh, tray with the oil, slams it in the other guy's face so his face starts to melt and then Mm. puts their hand into the face and starts dragging more of the face down. Like you're watching this straight on. And I'm watching this early in the morning, very quietly, trying not to wake the family. And at this point, like I'm flinching, not really looking and thinking, Fuck! Do I have to watch like and then I'm looking at the time and this is not a short. This is like a hundred minute movie and I'm like, I've got to watch like another eighty minutes of this. Oh, like, God. what, what the speed fu- were you on? I was on normal speed because it's oh, shutter and you can't hell. do you can't do different speeds with shutter. Fuck
1: shutter! Like, how many times do we have to say? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, at this moment, when you saw this first act of extreme violence, what did you think?
1: Um,
0: yeah, I was pretty um, disturbed, but I was sort of, uh, I guess, because I think because I'd already. I will say that I had cheated a little bit, and I'd and I'd read a, uh, a little bit of the Wikipedia synopsis already because I I I was very nervous about how intense it was going to be, and I wanted to know kind of what the extremes were going to be, and uh, I had read about this this moment, and I and but I'd also read some other things, so I was kind of a little bit prepared for it, so I wasn't um, uh, as like uh, shocked to to and and kind of thinking can I get through it because I I knew there was a bit more that was worse to come? I don't know.
2: So the man that this person spat on initially then attacks someone else, just starts stabbing someone else in the neck in the place and just havoc breaks loose. Jim runs out in the street and is chased by this older person who then gets hit by a car and the person driving the car also has a crazy expression and then all of these people start looking at Jim and start chasing Jim down the road and he runs away on foot being chased very closely by these infected locals who are not shambling, they are running full tilt. So he makes his way back to his apartment on foot where he left his phone. He texts Kat to stay where she is, promising to rescue her. Now, earlier on, when he was on his balcony in the morning, one of his neighbours was on the balcony next door using a pair of scissors, using a pair of snizzers, using a pair of scissors, snipping the plants, and it was clearly foreshadowing because now this neighbour comes in with a pair of garden shears and they have a fight and this neighbour cuts off two of Jim's fingers, but Jim <sighs> manages to beat him back and escapes. God, thank God this Wikipedia synopsis is uh, not so in-depth. So meanwhile, Cat <laughs> is on the train and there's this, uh, yeah. th- there's this sequence where she's t- sat next to by this gross old man who just won't leave her alone. And is yeah. basically like, so what are you reading? And she's like, um, just sort of leave me alone. And eventually is like, hey, you're really pretty. I've noticed you around. And she's like, that's really fucked. If you say one more thing, I'm going to do you for sexual assault. And then just stays there sitting, reading a book. And apparently, according to the director, because I read one of these interviews too, which he was mm-hmm. like, a lot of... The people who interviewed for this role were like, why doesn't she just leave? And he's like, no, I want her to be like, no, this is my fucking seat. You're not going to let me leave. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's real or not. But that was the point of that sequence. Anyway, while that happens, a man on the train out of nowhere just starts stabbing people. And people don't realize what's happening at first until they do. And then again, chaos breaks loose. He eventually stabs this one guy in like the neck, shooting this fountain of blood right up into the sky of the train. And then there's just blood everywhere. There's chaos everywhere. Uh, They eventually subdue this guy, but then someone else starts stabbing and then it's a total free-for-all. Did
0: you see the interview where he talked about the logic of um, how he had to plan the shoot of his scenes around how much blood was going to be there because it was going to just totally fuck up the set
1: (laughs) That's got to be exhausting, Will. Doesn't it? The logistics of that? If like everyone's like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry," can we just do it one more time? I forgot my, you know, I forgot my line or whatever. <laughs> the pressure's on everyone. As
0: soon as you, as soon as you cut, you know, this guy's throat and the geezer of blood hits the roof, then that's that's a, a half a day reset or something. So yeah. let's let's shoot this person um, getting their guts ripped out first, and then we'll get to that.
2: Yeah. So this is this is a really full on scene. Eventually, as Wikipedia says, and I'm sorry for this explanation, but this is Wikipedia, the Alvin virus transforms the businessman's anger at being rejected by Kat into a desire to rape and murder all women. As other infected passengers slaughter the others, Kat escapes from the train with Molly, a woman who sat next to her, who the businessman stabs her eye out with an umbrella. I love that that's just a footnote in this Gosh. Wikipedia synopsis. So, she rescues she rescues Molly who is just like holding her eye socket and the businessman pursues them and as he goes into the you know the train station finds like a fire axe and starts pursuing them with the axe. And this man who's only known as the businessman even to the director kind of becomes our main antagonist.
1: Okay. He's like a guy's lead zombie kind of
2: thing. Yeah. yeah. So Kat and Molly arrive at the hospital, which is overrun with those who have been harmed by the infected. The government then broadcasts an emergency message that everybody watches on the TV, vowing to get control of the situation.
0: This is a truly incredible scene.
2: Oh my God, this is like... Okay, so at this point, one of the generals, so the president's speaking, and then one of the generals indicates by, you know, a close shot of his eyes. And then I think also like a tilted camera. Like anytime you know they're bad, the camera's on an angle and maybe like aimed up a bit. So it's just like an extreme angle of their like sneer. He grabs a grenade, grabs the president, stuffs the grenade in the president's head, and then the president's head blows up on live TV and then it cuts to like, you know, we're having technical difficulties.
1: Sick. There's
2: an element to this film which is clearly sort of joking and I think a lot of extreme horror, like, again, I'm I'm not going to answer this question now because I'm not the target market for this, but a lot of this extreme horror is almost like how far can we push it to the point where it's almost comical.
1: But it's that inappropriate laugh response that I'm almost yeah. at. I'm like, that blew up his head. Oh, fuck. Like, oh, Is
0: it, there's the, um, is it, is it, there's the right term, cognitive dissonance, where you kind of like, it, where he is talking about it and going, oh, and then he shoves the grenade in his mouth and his head explodes, and we all go, ha, ha, ha. That sounds amazing. But then when you actually see it happen visually, for real, um, it's a bit of a different experience.
2: <laughs> so the hospital patients, begin to panic distracting the police officers there just as oh
1: shit shaggy you're gonna share something in the chat that's gonna be pretty upsetting
2: no 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 i'm not gonna share I'm, i'm actually not going to um just as the businessman and other infected locals break through the doors kate escapes into a stairwell as the business all right i feel a responsibility not to talk about things in a film but will i know you want to talk about this
0: i we we can we can skirt around it it's just one of the most extreme things i've I've seen in a movie like this this is like after we've seen all this up to this point of of like everything that's happened and it takes it to this level which i thought was sort of like a cherry on the top i suppose
2: so so massive warning maybe maybe skip ahead for a minute or whatever and keep in mind you don't see this like, there's no way they would show
0: this on screen. But that's, that's also what I find fascinating about it. Like, truly fascinating. Like, the, the, given everything we've seen, the camera pans away from this moment as if it's like, you remember the, the scene in Reservoir Dogs where he, the, he cuts the, the ear off? The guy and, and like everyone was so shocked at the time. And you know, uh, this, is, this is this horrible thing that happens in, in Reservoir Dogs. And when you actually see the movie, it's like you see him go in for it, and then the camera kind of pans to the roof, and you just hear the sounds of him screaming as he cuts his ear off. Well, it's a bit like it, to me, it was a bit like that. This movie is basically Reservoir Dogs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so yeah, like I said, like I said, massive content warning. He, he, he is, he essentially. Uh, sexually assaults her
0: eye wound. Yeah.
2: And, and like, I, I guess the thing I want to say about this film is there was a point where I was like, up to this point, because this is about halfway through, I was like, I get it. The gore's going to be over the top. And I thought I knew how far they were going to push it. And at this, this is the point where I was like, oh fuck, like, I actually feel bad. About making you watch this film, and like I get all of your responses because I'm kind of like, you're right. Like, why go there?
0: Yeah, it was. It's just it, you can see the kind of intellectualizing of it in the you know as as he's writing it, going, "How can I top the last thing I did with um, you know like uh, 20 people getting slaughtered on a train? What's what's the next level I can take this to? Um, I've got this." character who has been stabbed in the eye um and then we've got this sexually perverted crazed zombie person what's the next step here
1: i think i think i think you're giving the filmmaker too much credit will but like i think there is so the concept of skull fucking is one shag has told me about before that i think is in part of the french the french um uh, the, the French brutalist it, movement it, it, in the early it, it, it's 2000s. In,
2: it's in out tension. High tension, yeah. High tension, yeah.
1: And I have less. I'm willing to give the filmmaker less less credit. The reason she was stabbed in the eye with an umbrella in the first scene was in order to set this up. There's a reverse engineering. This is this is an outcome the filmmaker wanted. I, I, and I and I don't I don't I don't want to give enough credit to say, oh, whoops, I just find myself in a scenario and this is how I'm seeing my way out. I, I, I think this is, you know. Um,
2: Okay, so so mm. Jim escapes to the outskirts of town, passing scenes of sadism along the way. We, we don't have to talk about them. They're pretty bad. There, there is
0: actually an if interesting... If I can just
1: break into the logistics, what is it? We're cruel zombies. Is, it, yeah. is that the thing?
0: That's the whole idea. Yeah. That's the yeah, whole okay. thing. It's like it's, it's how... Because usually zombies are just mindless or or, or, or whatever and yes. the, 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 his whole premise was the way to make this scary is to make them vindictive, cruel, malicious zombies who get off basically and not only just enjoy it but they get off sexually by inflicting pain on you
2: yeah it's, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll explain it soon, but one of the one of the scenes he passes and it's it's interesting, and I've never quite seen this in a film like this where essentially he passes a group of like like a baseball team essentially torturing this man tied to a post and he saves the man and the man's like why did you save me? I was enjoying that and then he realizes that the man was also infected and then they all come to attack him and he has to run away from all of them so they slowly build up to what's happening and they're going to explain what's happening Um, anyway so he manages to contact Kat, who tells him where she is. As they talk, he begins to cry and hallucinates that a living skull laps up his blood and sweat, signs that he is infected. I didn't get that in the in the film, but apparently that's what it
0: was.
1: So like I hate horror movies using hallucinations of being like, look at this scary thing. <laughs> it's like Fucking like make a world then that has that in it. Like it's always
2: it's always hallucination X machina, like every single time. It's like, how do we explain this thing, this complex thing? Or it's someone being like, I've got a theory about what's happening here. It just happens to be the plot. Anyway, all right, okay. The businessman continues his pursuit of cat through the hospital's off-limits hallways. Also, there's a moment where one of the bystanders hears the sound of like essentially people fucking and he finds this orgy happening of people just covered in blood and again it's just this weird moment where and it's not like an evil like we're stabbing people orgy people are just there's just a bunch of people having sex and just rubbing blood all over themselves anyway as I said so the businessman is pursuing cat through the hospital's off-limits hallways, but she crushes his head with a fire extinguisher so and and, and when she goes for the final blow, he smiles at her and he's like see. You're just as depraved as I am. And then she kills him. To be honest, like, when I got to the end of this film, I was thinking how fucking cool would it have been of a premise? Even, like, like fuck this movie, but how cool would it be of a premise if there was never any disease or outbreak, it was just mass hysteria that caused people to become like zombies? I was like, Uh, fuck, that would have been chilling, right?
1: Well done, well done.
2: But that's not what's happening here. It is is the Alvin virus. Anyway, so... uh,
1: but I your idea, your idea is the scariest like the scariest bit.
2: Straight up, right? Um, and then I was just disappointed because I was like, "Oh no, it is really a virus." Anyway, so Cat <laughs> is then rescued by Dr. Wong, who's been hiding in a shut-off ward of the hospital. Wong explains the he attempted to find the cure for the Alvin virus, which, in its mutated form, connects the parts of the brain that govern sex and aggression,
0: and Yeah, he says it's like the limbic system, uh, like the the virus kind of overtakes your limbic system, right?
2: And Wong also theorises that the reason the infected cry, and you don't really notice the infected crying, but I guess they do, but the reason the infected cry is because they are fully aware of the terrible things they do, but are completely unable to stop,
0: liking it to resisting the urge to blink. So this is probably the right time to mention the, the trivia, which is that originally... Um, the virus was supposed to be indicated by profuse crying and that was how people knew that other people uh, were infected. And they had the um, sadness, yeah. Hence the sadness.
2: Which is a great... Like, what a great premise. They don't do That's a very fabulous. good job of explaining it, but I think it's great. Anyway,
1: I'm, I'm not good... Gosh, the Shag and Will edits of this film, like, again... Just,
0: just to say as well that the director... Um, Comment when when I when I heard him say this in an interview as well before he said yeah that was originally the premise and then halfway through making the movie I forgot that that was supposed to be the premise (laughs) and we we were too far into it to stop
1: so
0: so I said we should just keep going and I called it the sadness of
1: (laughs) (laughs) this movie. Oh, I love this director! Like how he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually a you know construction site project manager." It was a bit weird that I did Taipei, and made this film one time. It went alright.
2: So, w- one of the merciful things of this film is, up until this point in this universe, children largely don't exist, which is great. I'm also not going to explain the next bit, mm, and it's good. it's it's not it's. It's it's not like you know. I don't want your imagination to run wild. It's not as terrible as you think it's going to be, but it's bad enough, and it's something I never want to see in cinema. And I, I I wish it wasn't in this film, and I wish I hadn't seen it. Like I said, uh, feel free to find out what this is by reading the Wikipedia synopsis. But like you know, I warn you, it's awful. Anyway, things happen in this room, and then they have they have a bit of a fight. He injects her with a virus because he's been trying to work out, he's been trying to create a cure by doing experiments. And he says, if Kat becomes infected, he will kill her too. But if not, she might hold the cure to stop the virus's spread. Kat manages to text her location to Jim, who's just arrived at the hospital. Realizing she's immune to the virus, Wong calls for a military helicopter, intending to take her to a safe location. He warns her that without him, she'll be shot on sight by the soldiers when they arrive. But as they make their way to the roof, two infected attack them. Wong manages to kill them, but is wounded. Jim then arrives and after a struggle, kills Wong, who admits with his last breath. Anyway, I'm not going to read the next bit. Cat realizes that Jim is infected and locks him outside the stairwell to the roof. Nice. He tells her that being infected feels wonderful and that he can think of no more loving act than to mutilate and kill her. And describes it in extreme detail, which again, I'm glad the Wikipedia legally can't share quotes from films. Disgusted, Cat flees to the roof where we immediately hear her being shot by the soldiers. Grinning at the thought of her death, Jim dies. And then we cut to some extreme heavy metal and uh, the credits. <laughs> that was the sadness. The
0: most successful film launch in Shutter's history. Peach. C- c- but, sorry, before. Before you give your reaction, yeah, we'll go. Sorry, I just wanted to say there was one little other bit of trivia that I found as well, just on top of what you just said. Um, there was a scene apparently cut from the script where an infected individual enters an operating room where someone is having their brain operated on and the said infected defecates inside the open room. <laughs> go It was cut. It was cut because the producers thought it was too funny <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, God. so
2: I think okay, number one, that is actually pretty funny, but number yeah. two I think I think what you know back to your question at the start, I'm not the target market for this film. there's there was a moment in one of the interviews with Rob where the interviewer asked him, about extreme horror and names a few examples and is like, you know, Salo, August Underground, a bunch of others. And mm-hmm. is like, this seems to fit in that pantheon. And the director, like very nonchalantly, it's like, yeah, I've seen all of those. I watch anything. And I think there's an audience for which films like this do not phase you at all. And thus, I guess you can see whatever the humour is in it. And for that audience, horror is not intellectual. Horror is a visceral experience, I think. Because for me, as a horror fan, and why I want Peach to get into it, I want you to feel the dread. I want you to feel the fear. And if Mm. gore is used, and gore can be used incredibly effectively, I want it there to be a build to it so it feels earned. And in this film, none of those things really happen.
1: Well, during the discussion, Shag, you you did a fuck this film line. You're like, yeah, I fuck this film. Like, if the horror genre is about being one of the few genres perhaps even including comedy that is about generating a specific response of like you know all all types of subgenres all different versions of it essentially you want to manufacture that that response that feeling of fear um that is a legitimate mm-hmm. you know thing for a work of art to try to do to try to move you to change you um you know to leave you touched by what the artist has intended to make. And that I think is completely legitimate. I think what I find confronting about movies like this is pretty much what Will said in the text chain of like, why, why do people want to share ideas with this? What makes it like, like this? What makes someone say, this is, it is, it will be good to have stuff like this floating around in the world. And so I'm not as discomforted by the idea of the gore. I suspect this is one I actually look. It's easy to say from here. I maybe even could sort of watch and just would, but would hate watching it because it doesn't but strike me that the fear and the dread is there. The,
2: but but the gore is so unbelievable. And oh, okay, you, I, I think you would have a tough time with the blood yeah, okay, and buddy. the guts. And you know, like it's incredibly difficult. But but now that you say all of that, we'll even go back to your point. It's like. I hate this film. I hate that this film exists. Mm. It makes me feel bad. I feel bad for watching it. I feel like I'm damaged in some way, but I'm also mm. weirdly glad that there are these extremes. Like I, like, I like that there's a danger to the horror genre where if you keep looking hard enough, you'll find something this fucked. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the outer, outer reaches of the psyche of, yeah. um, of the psyche. isn't it like it's but and it is interesting to know that there is that sort of thing out there it's certainly a dame like it feels like it's a dangerous movie i don't know i don't really know what to say about it to be honest like it just it does fascinate me that it it exists and that people can be wired in that way to find it um, interesting
1: i think on one view it's a massive success because i'm now sitting here thinking about well fucking what is art for like, you know, and if you're, like, if you sort of then find yourself in a position of, like, holy shit, like, how does creativity speak to the souls of 8 billion people? I think if what you've done evokes that question, then you've actually probably had a huge success.
2: Wait, 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 guys, guys. Is The Sadness a Five Skull movie?
1: Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?